Welcome to the Travel Tales Podcast. The winners are the, the people with the most stories. One of the great things about traveling is the people that you meet. I've slept in bus stations, like yeah. I've slept on people's floors. And it's already on fire, and then there's just a gigantic, huge explosion, like out of a Hollywood movie. It's not right or wrong, it's just different. We hired like 10 Chinese prostitutes to come be our audience. We were kidnapped by nuns in Puerto Rico. <laughs> not a good idea to be high when you're packing. You forget a lot of stuff. I got swine flu. By the time you've lived through it, it's just a good story. Hey everybody, welcome to the Travel Tales Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Siegel. Thanks for listening. My guest today is Jennifer Richardson. Before we get to Jennifer, here's a few announcements. First and foremost, our website is TravelTalesPodcast.com. If you go there, you can see articles that I've written, articles that some of the guests have written. You can see some photos of the guests. You can see photos of me. You can see links to the guests' social media and links to our social media. And by that, of course, I mean Travel Tales Podcast on Instagram, Travel Tales Pod on Twitter, There's links to our Facebook page. You can see links to Apple Podcasts and Stitcher Radio, where you can subscribe for free as always. And if you're on those platforms, please give us a good rating. That helps more people find the show because it boosts our presence, and that's a cool thing for you to do. We're also on Spotify, so that is another way you can hear us. If you want to write me, you can write me at TravelTalesPodcast at gmail.com. That is TravelTalesPodcast at gmail.com. Okay, folks, the holidays are closing in on us. I am counting the days until I head back on the ships. I'm going to do four weeks over the holidays in the Caribbean, performing on Holland America lines, doing three different ships down there. So, hey, you never know. If you show up to a show, please laugh, will you? Give it up. Don't just sit there like a lump. The year has flown by, folks. Flown by. I don't know where it went, but the older I get, the faster the years go. As for the show, I got a chance to meet and interview a lot of people this year, many of them new to me, and Jennifer Richardson is one of them. Her website is jennyisfree.com. That's also her handle on Instagram. She is a travel blogger, a digital nomad. She's been on the road for a better part of 10 years. She's originally from Montreal, and she's currently living in Chiang Mai, Thailand, where a lot of digital nomads seem to have taken root. A, because it's Thailand, and it's awesome, and it's affordable, and the Wi-Fi is good. And there's a good community of expats and other digital nomads who are living there. And she's one of them. She has lived around China. We talk about that a lot. And she contacted me uh, by simply writing an email. I told you, this, this stuff works. We did a Skype interview. And although this technology is amazing that we could even do this, I'm still having a little problems with adjusting the levels during the recording. And then I have to go back and do it. It was pretty time consuming. I'm not going to lie. I would much rather do interviews in person, but hey, when someone's in Chiang Mai, Thailand, you got to take them where you can get them. And Jennifer, or Jenny, I call her both, was nice enough to set aside some time and have a chat with a dork like me on the other side of the world. And she's out there still doing it, still hustling, still writing, still creating. She's made an interesting life for herself, and it was a pleasure to meet her. So please welcome the creator of JennyIsFree.com, Jennifer Richardson. So how long have you been in Chiang Mai? Yeah, so I've been based here like a year and a half. So I'm I freelance. So when I decide like when I learned I could work remote, then I started that life. I've been traveling forever. Like I've been based in Asia most of my adult life. So this is like kind of normal for me. Um, but yeah, so I just stay in co-working spaces and like digital nomad, quote unquote, like that term that it, this is kind of like the hub for that as well as Bali in Asia. Those are like the two places where people who work online can can be and it's nice with affordable living and stuff and if you're starting something new it's a great place to move if you have a new project or a new thing where you're not sure where your income's coming yet and you can you know start somewhere and live 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 for cheap and also network and stuff i've learned a lot of things from other freelancers here so that's been good yes i've talked to a lot of people who uh, work in chiang mai and digital nomads and things. And you're right. Yeah, that in Mexico seems to be a popular one now. And uh, Colombia. Yes, a lot of people are in Medellin. And then Mexico. Yeah, I've heard. I'm interested about Mexico. I'm wondering like what places you've heard have been like uh, like people are going, like what areas. Yeah, I know San Miguel de Allende. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. That's like an expat place. Uh, sounds lovely. I've never been. But um, so Jenny is free. Uh, are there other sites that you want to uh, plug while we're talking about it? Yeah, just my website. Like I'm, re- I'm uh, working on my 
to rebrand my website as well. So there should be a new one coming within a month or so. I'll still have that link, like the Jenny is free. So if people just follow Jenny is free, that's the same um, tag on Instagram as well as Twitter. So people can get all my updates from there. That would, that's the only thing I really have right now. But yeah, that Jenny is free. You can link with Pinterest, with Twitter, with Facebook. My Facebook page is also Jenny is free. And then my website's that. So where are you from originally? I'm from Montreal. Montreal. I was just there a bunch this summer. I loved it. Oh, really? Oh, I was there visiting my parents. Where'd you go? Well, I was working on a cruise ship from Boston to Montreal and back. And so I did three, three weekends in Boston. Actually, it was just three Saturdays. So I had time to, I would just walk from the ship and I had to be back in the ship from back in like by three o'clock. So I had a nice little walking tour that I did. I did a day just on food one day. So I had uh, the bagels and then I... Yes. Where'd you, did you go to St. Beatrice or Fairmont? St. Beatrice. <laughs> St. Beatrice. Okay. Yeah. And then I went to Schwartz's Deli for smoked meat. Yes, of course. Was there like a long lineup every day? There's like a huge line. You know what? I learned you go there early enough. I went there about uh, 11 o'clock or so, so I could squeeze in at the bar. I didn't have to wait for it. Yeah. And then the next Mm -hmm. week or two weeks later, I was there and I walked by it at about 1230 and the line was around the building. Yeah. But that's it's like the most popular restaurant in the city or even in North America for like just smoked meat. That's iconic you you know. another recommendation you can get it out now give them a plug <laughs> um yeah so schwartz i've i discovered a few more there's one right across the street from uh schwartz that also has smoke beat but another one that's just as authentic i find um it's more in the mile end Outremont area it's called lester's um and they have really yeah so it's same smoke meat they have a deli there as well uh, so and there's a bigger space. There's a lot of like uh, posters on the wall of like all the old guests and stuff. So it's just as it's not as old, but it's about as old as Schwartz has been re- around for decades. Um, yeah, and it's in more of a residential area just outside of downtown. So that's like a good alternative. <laughs> and I think the food's just as good. So you grew yeah. up there. Yeah. When did you leave? When did I leave? I started traveling about 25. Well, yeah, I went to China and I did a volunteer project teaching English. And then I spent five years working teaching English. I lived in South Korea for three years. Thailand as well, I came a bit to teach English. And Beijing, I did a brief uh, period teaching in a school as well. Um, And then I went freelance with my writing and my blog about three years ago. I spent like, yeah, mostly... Yeah, since I've been 20, about for 10 years, I've been mostly based in Asia, other than like visiting home and stuff. I think I did one year where I've been to Columbia. I did, yeah, my first year freelancing, I spent half my year kind of volunteering in hostels so I could stay for free and then work on my projects on the side. So I stayed briefly in Mexico and Columbia, um, stayed with friends in the U.S. and Montreal as well. And then I moved back to Asia at the beginning of 2018. I moved to Vietnam and traveled around there and kind of worked remote. And then that's afterwards I came to Chiang Mai and kind of been based here when I found a co-working space and office where I can stay and be kind of stable. So that's been good. Now, were you always just doing the blog or were you, were you into, uh, were you writing for other publications or websites? Yeah, mostly other publications. I, uh, I'm an editor for Skyscanner. Do you use Skyscanner? Yeah. For finding chief flights. Yeah. So like for their news site, I'm the editor of the, the Canada market. So I, I manage that that content. Um, I've been published in Fodder's Travel and some other small publications online as well. And then, yeah, my job for the past year, year and a half has been editing and freelancing for mainly Skyscanners when I mean client. So it's Fodder's. I, I've been saying it wrong this entire time. <laughs> Fodder's, Fodder's. I've heard both. I don't know. Fodor's? I don't know. I just read it. I've never heard it. <laughs> so was journalism always your thing? Is that what you studied? Yeah, I went to I studied creative writing at Concordia in Montreal. Okay. Um, and I just, yeah, when I left, I was just working retail. I couldn't find work. And then when I started traveling, I, my stories came to me and I found a creative outlet. So um, I just taught English as a way to sustain a travel lifestyle. And then that's when my blog started. I started the blog when I did a solo backpacking trip around China. I spent like seven months. I did like 15 provinces in mainland China. I went to visit friends in Korea when I was like on a break from my, from teaching there. And then I did Malaysia, Indonesia and Singapore. Um, and then I blogged like every day about that. But, and then I turned that later on into an ebook I released two years ago. Um, and then it's just been, it's more like a travel journal of my experiences there. 
and the different provinces I went to and the culture shock and everything. So yeah, that's when my blog really started. That was in 2012. Well, let's talk about the culture shock because I have not been <laughs> to uh, mainland China. I've been to Thai- Taiwan and Hong Kong a couple times each, but, mm-hmm. which is like China light. <laughs> no, it's like, it's easy. I know oh. there's, uh, I've heard a, a bunch of different things and I hope to take care of my uh, not going there very soon. But um, I heard that, I don't know how versed you are in the language, but I heard if you don't know any Chinese, it's uh, can be a little tough. Did you run into that? Yes, it's super hard. Like I had a system, I had to be really vigilant or I was, it was exhausting because I always had to be on, if you know what I mean. Like if it was just me and I had no help and I just had limited language, then I really had to make sure I knew where I was going. My my lonely planet was like my my Bible, you know what I mean? Just like I would only stay I had to plan my route really well. I had to stay in hostels where they had like the address in Chinese so I could ask people there. And then I had a phone if ever uh, with some Chinese friends I could call if I needed like a have to have a longer discussion with like a taxi driver and stuff. And then I just call them and then they would translate for me. Um, And I only stayed in hostels that were like international uh, part of the YHA, like international youth hostel, Um, because then the staff would always speak English so I could call them and then ask them for directions. Um, I had limited Chinese because I had, because I had had previous experience teaching there. So I knew a bit of the culture and that it would be difficult. And I stayed in a small town. So I, I got a sense of like real China, quote unquote. So, um, that inspired me to want to see more of the country. And also like, I knew what I was in for, so I was prepared. Um, but yeah, it's not, I wouldn't, as someone who doesn't know the country or anything, I wouldn't recommend just going there, going there on your own. Cause it's, uh, it's not easy. It's not easy, well, but it, it, yeah, it's exhilarating. It's exhilarating. It's not easy though. For someone like me, I mean, if I want to sign up for, or, or find a tour company or something like that, or a guide, who would you recommend? It's funny. I wrote a bit for a small boutique travel, travel company in, uh, based in Beijing. I think he still operates. They're called U China travel, just like letter U and China travel. Um, the guy's name is Leo Chu and he does like customized tours, like all over the country. Um, he's really good because he'll employ like local guides who really know the area um, and then you can kind of yeah, customize your own thing and he's good with communicating. So that would be, um, it's more in like the, the it's, it's boutique. So it's more in the, the higher end, but he does do like, let's say if you have a layover in Beijing for a day, which is really common, uh, people like to go to the great wall, you know, if they have 12 hours in Beijing, they leave the airport and then they, the great wall is not too far away. Um, so he does stuff like that and then takes you not on like the touristy part of the wall. There's like a lot of parts of the wall that no one really goes to. So he would do something like that. Um, yeah. And then when I lived in Beijing, I worked with him. So that, that, that's something I would recommend to do. What do you think it was about China and Asian cultures in general that really drew you to the place as opposed to, you know, going to Europe or even Africa or South America or something? Yeah. Um, well, I feel like Africa for like solo, um, female or just for backpacking Africa, somewhere I'd go if I had like a project and then I'd stay in one area, but for like traveling around, it doesn't seem like a place. Like I've never been to Africa, but people I've talked to, like you kind of stick to one area. It's not a thing where you kind of backpack around. And my first introduction to travel was, um, yeah, I like the the wandering aspect of it, like the going around. And the thing with Asia, just realistically, like the infrastructure is good. So it's easy to get around by like bus and train and public transport. And it's safer also, I find in general, if you're female. Um, so that kept me coming back or made me want to travel there more. Um, but yeah, Asia, the first time I went was literally China. And it wasn't a place that it was like a bucket list place for me. It was just, oh, this projects exists. I got an email, um, asking, uh, that they needed English teachers. And then I didn't have much of a life in Montreal, just working like a minimum wage job. So I said, okay, why not go? And then I just fell in love with the country and then the rest of the continent, um, throughout the years. So that's kind of what happened. It was kind of just go with the flow type of thing. And it turned into now my life seems to be in Asia. (laughs) Didn't really plan it this way. I saw the article that you wrote about being stared at in China. And I got a little of that through Asia as well, like in Vietnam and stuff, you know, people wanting to take photos with me and that kind of stuff. Has that changed at all? Or is it still happening all the time? No, like, well, here in Chiang Mai, it's nothing like I feel like a local, like people are really nice. 
Korea, there was a bit more of that, but China's like next level, like a lot of stuff about China's next level. But the thing with the, like just the whole thing, everything's just 10 times more um, in China. Like I would, and I, I would go, Lonely Planet guided me to like a very specific kind of tour, not touristy, but like historic sites that, oh, let's go check out there. And like, I'd be the only foreigner for miles and miles. Um, <laughs> so that it obviously attracted more attention. Like people would just chase me down, like to take a picture. Um, so, but usually they're really sweet and stuff. I would get annoyed if they just wouldn't ask and they're just cameras in your face. I'm like, I'm not a celebrity. Like, what are you doing? Um, so that was, and then also if you're like alone or female, if it's at night, like you'd feel more vulnerable. So, um, that would get to me at some parts that's where my blogging helped that was my outlet for if I feel frustrated or I needed a creative outlet to like handle my my anxiety maybe or experience about it so that was my way to document that so the blog actually helped I remember just would I would write in a coffee shop or a bar like at the end of a travel day and that was kind of like a therapy <laughs> for me and then I'm glad I'm glad people responded or liked it because it was you know a bit something for me, but then it also helped and share my experience with other people. What do they think of a woman who make travel blogging her life? I mean, that's got to be kind of an odd profession for people in China. No, totally. Yeah, just to be there. Well, you know what? Like, I w you get a lot of encouragement. Yeah, a lot of people couldn't speak English, but I'd be like, let's say on a bus going somewhere, there'd be like a Chinese couple next to me. They would just be like, oh, like I knew enough Chinese. Okay, where are you from? Then they'd like, they'd always ask like, only one person? One person? When I'd tell them one, they would just give me like a thumbs up like yeah good for you <laughs> so that was really it was really a lot of yeah they give me like you know like the strong arm sign or like the thumbs up like just like someone helping with me with my bag on the bus or or they just stare at you and say like oh it's a foreigner but not angry but just mm -hmm. I'm like impressed or something so sometimes it was a bit of a confidence boost and then you kind of it's nice to hear support from people um so yeah it's kind of a flabbergasting thing I agree um, and just with traveling or just sometimes, uh, like a lot of people in China haven't left China. Right. So, um, that's why it's harder with the language as well. Cause there's just like, well, you're, it's kind of like a plant's own planet, like you're on planet China. <laughs> like, so you have to know the language or the customs cause they couldn't fathom like anything outside, <laughs> yeah. um, of China, especially if you're right in the middle and in a small town, it's just all they know. Like the, the outside is just so big. Like, like going to Beijing or Shanghai is like a, a huge thing or you, Hong Kong, you know, like that would sure, be yeah. a really big trip. I, I, even with my limited language, like I, I could tell the difference in the, the, the dialect from province to province, like it really varies. And they have a lot of different languages as well. There's a lot of minorities. My first time there. Yeah. When I taught in a school, I remember like the head teacher telling me like, Oh, I came from a village, you know, a hundred kilometers away. So not far. And she was like, wow, I really had to adjust my speaking because I'm used to like this. So even like, even just within the towns, there's a difference right. because I guess less people move. So there's le like, you know, that fusion doesn't exist. Um, and there's a, yeah, I could even tell a big difference between like the, the Shanghai dialect versus the Beijing dialect. Um, but everyone kind of learns the, the, obviously the government language. So the Beijing right. dialect, and then they all have their local languages or ways of speaking like by province and region and stuff. I mean, it can be very overwhelming at times, just the sheer number of human beings around you. I mean, do you ever get to get out rurally and just kind of decompress? Yeah, in China, I felt there are some places where it's clustered, but it's such a huge country as well. So I felt like it was more spread out, like, like other than on the subway in a place like Beijing, like there's not really big crowds. Like it's such a giant city size-wise. So um, there's room, you know what I mean? Like you can get a big apartment there. Um, so it's not really clustered. I feel like what I've seen with India, it seems to be more clustered. You know what I mean? Like China has, everyone's kind of, there's no area where it's empty. I remember like taking a bus across Canada and just seeing no people for miles. And like, that would never happen <laughs> right. in China. Like there's always someone like everyone, there's no empty pocket. Um, yeah. So here too, like Chiang Mai is a city. I think it's like only a few hundred thousand, but because everyone's in one space, it's always busy. Um, and then the motorbikes everywhere. So it, but I'm used to, I like big cities, so I like the chaos. So it's not really a big shock for me. And then Montreal too, like I'm used to a big city, but, um, and it's nice being based here in Northern Thailand because the countryside just, here is beautiful like this weekend I went on a kayaking trip so just an hour away from here and then you're like kayaking along the river and there's all there's like no one there except for our little tour um and then there's a place called Pai just like three hours north of here and uh it's really beautiful there as well so there's 
nature just right next door. So it's really lovely. Well, I know uh, a lot of people I interview on this are uh, bloggers as well. I, of course, don't want you know numbers or anything like that, but you are making a living. And, and how long did it take for you to get there? And what advice do you have for people who are doing this or want to do what you do? My blog, as of right now, I'm hoping maybe later on. Um, but my blog has never made money. It was first like an outlet just for me to write and then share stories with like family and friends. So yeah, the blog is just an extra thing for me. What has made me money is my writing project. So freelancing, and it took a while to get there. Like I had a year of really struggling. That's when I was in Latin America and I was just working in hostels um, and only making like a few hundred bucks a month off like small little contracts I had. And then when I got more frequent work or got editing gigs and then so it was more okay I have a monthly I have projects every month so I kind of knew where my next paycheck was coming but it's not it's not easy my advice would be um to people yeah just uh figure out first like what skill you you have and want to offer and like why you're doing it because I do feel some some people just go on a limb like oh I want this dream of working online but it's not as easy as it seems not as glamorous. Like I'm in Thailand, but I'm, I'm in an office all day writing on the computer. Like it's nice to be here versus, you know, like a a cold city or something, but it's just kind of normal. Like life just becomes normal. Like obviously, but yeah, things like on the weekend when I took a kayaking trip, me and my friends were like, Oh, we're just, we stick ourselves in offices. We forget that we're in this beautiful place. So let's do something like let's be tourists. (laughs) So yeah, it just becomes like normal life. So it's not, I know maybe the pictures on Instagram or something make it seem like people on, you know, a laptop next to a beach. I'm like, no one does that. <laughs> that's not a thing. So, yeah, so that's kind of I I don't try and have that like bring that illusion to people in my Instagram. I don't try and say like, oh, look, I'm here for the day. Like I'll take time off or it's nice to work in like a new coffee shop. And here, obviously, it's a beautiful city. So I'm so blessed to have this but it's not yeah it's not easy and it's not like a normal life either but um I'd say yeah like figure out what skill you have what you want to offer and then make contacts like go on Facebook join like a Facebook group uh network on there and then you know once you have the name of a few editors or a few people then kind of you're in you know you could email people like oh do you need an article for this and that like that's just for what I do for for freelance writing depends what every your outlet is. But yeah, it takes, you know, six months to a year to, to do the networking and, and developing that. And then once you have a flow with that, then I'd say take the risk and, and move and, and go somewhere. And also, yeah, get, gets also like my advice would be go somewhere where you can collaborate with people. Like if your city has a co-working space, work there instead of alone in your, in your home or in a coffee shop, like go somewhere where there's other people doing similar work or remote work because then that's the best way like for me coming to Chiang Mai right away when I was with a space in a space with other people even though we weren't doing the same thing every day I was like I was in a space with designers or people doing marketing like or people who had a small business on Amazon they were starting up we were able to share ideas and give each other inspiration for like what to do next and that so it helps to be around like like like-minded people if you're doing kind of freelance remote work so uh, that would be my advice like get somewhere where you're with inspirational people before we leave uh, China, I just wanted to ask you, what year did you first get there? My first trip to China was 2009, so oh. literally like 10 years ago. Even in the just 10 years you've been going, what changes have you seen that have been noticeable? What, what has really struck you? Yeah, they're growing. Like I went to Beijing in 2009 at the end of my time in a small city, so I was. it was nice to like end it in a big city like Beijing. And then I went to visit a friend there like just this summer, so... Um, in those 10 years, it's, de- it's changed from like a developing city to a completely developed, like world-class city. Right. Um, like there's more international schools there. Uh, there's a suburb that's maybe like an hour away from, from the main part of the city. Um, and the apartments, the, the rents have like tripled or quadrupled in, in price over the years. Um, and places like Tiananmen Square, like the the center, are much more heavily patrolled. Like all of that, uh, where there's the there's something called the Forbidden City, which is like an old the old emperor's palace, and then Tiananmen Square, which is like the biggest public square I think still in the world. So that area is like really heavily guarded. I remember going there my first trip in Beijing, and I was just walking around. It was free. There were a few obviously like security people, but um, nothing big. And then when I tried to go back years later it was kind of blocked off they really and they were doing like a passport check and there were so many more tourists it was much more chaotic but then just empty like they blocked a lot of 
things. It wasn't very pedestrian friendly um, because that's been since like the new the new guy Xi Jinping, who's in control now. I noticed um, he's tightened his his rule on on kind of the government and and the, the situation there. Uh, like every time I go, there's I see more propaganda, <laughs> uh, more like red posters with characters saying you know stuff about workers, stuff about progress. I have yeah, good friends who live in Beijing. They say they now, um, don't want to get like too political, but they, they uh, grade their citizens. And then you can also report people and then which can lower their, their grade. Like it's first, they give you something based on your status. So like my friends who have lived there 10 years, they're from South America and they're teachers, but they don't have, they have university degrees. I think just bachelors, they don't have like masters or doctorates. Um, and they have good jobs, but not like high, high end jobs. So they're like, we're B citizens. We could never be A's because we don't have like this level of status. Yeah, they rate like the international citizens, like the expats as well as the locals. So if you're wow. a lot of people from small towns, like right, they go to they go to places like Beijing and Shanghai for maybe better education, like the public education system is a little better in the big cities and obviously just general Living same with everywhere, like the big cities better. So, but the people who are migrants, they get much less rights. Like they don't get um, access to the healthcare system. It's only for like the locals of the city. So they're kind of treated as foreigners. Um, so that's a big issue as well. So they're always kind of seen as outsiders. It's like they're immigrants in their own their it's own big, country because they're in a different region. So yeah, you have to get an ID card to leave provinces and stuff. You can't leave without your ID card. But worldwide, they're traveling more than ever. You know, they have their own reputation that they're building up <laughs> as tourists. I, I, I cut them a little slack only because, you know, these are people who have never had a chance to travel really that much. And so there's a learning curve there. But I'm hoping the next generation that's growing up with a more open policy will will be a little, I don't know, worldly. <laughs> yes, it's it's interesting. Well, I've uh, I'm not sure if it's still a thing, but it was a thing at one point because many Chinese people are aware that they're not that they're um, not well liked as tourists, like when they go abroad. But honestly, it's things they would do at home. So there's like like not wait in line. Yeah, it's just things that aren't considered rude so they don't they're not acting bad and they're like they're doing something different at home they have classes like travel etiquette classes or people will before they go on a tour they'll invest in like a a, a class and learn how to like what 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 to do on a trip because yeah there there was like a big market for that because they were aware okay we're not liked abroad but like why they didn't really know um so a lot of people took took classes on right. how to travel and, 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 and what to do. So like, yeah, it's something where they just, oh, I guess people don't like us. They didn't know why. And anyway, so they would take classes for that, which I found interesting. <laughs> but yeah, that's one thing people complain about when they, they travel, like, oh, people are rude. I just got used to the lines not being the thing. It, was, it got kind of fun at the end because really it's just like whoever fights the most, like whoever is the most aggressive will get in. So really if you're having a bad day and you just want to cut in front of, line, in front of the line, it's like welcomed there. Um, so it was fun. You're like, screw it. I'm just going to go. Um, but now I think with the grading system and stuff I told you about, I think that's going to change. <laughs> so we know you've been through uh, China. We, you've been through um, Thailand and you've been to Vietnam as well. Yeah. Last year I spent some time in Vietnam, kind of swapped between here and Vietnam. It's, they're so close, like only a flight away. So um, I spent like, and it's really beautiful as well there too. So I, I was nomadic there. If you thought of, um, I don't want to say settling down because I know people like us never seem to really settle down in one place but if, yeah i'll always be a traveler <laughs> is there one that you really uh, look forward to going back and think maybe maybe i could stay here longer than usual you ever been tempted oh oh totally yeah like it's all i'm not sure like i i always saw this as a as a phase but then the longer i do it i'm like guess it's not a phase because now it's been like 10 years i've been traveling so i'm just like oh this is my life now people are like oh she's the traveler i'm like i guess i am i didn't plan it this way but that's life right you just like become it, it is what it is uh but yeah i never eat well growing up in montreal i never felt like that was a place where i would i was never someone even as a kid like oh i'm just gonna end up where i was born I, that's just not my philosophy on life you have to see what you like and then grow and move on type of thing i have some friends where you know they're married and have kids you know, in the same suburb where they grew up. Like for me, that's just unfathomable. Oh, yeah. I just like that. So I know. to me, um, yeah, there's, there's cities I like, like, like North American cities where I'm like, Oh, I could, you know, 
it would be lovely to live there. Um, but for now, it's just not not the thing. I want to get more of a, a base of of work and everything to be able to maybe move somewhere new because that's hard. It's all based on jobs and stuff. So Asia just been a thing because I was able to get work. And now that I'm remote, I can live anywhere and just try and build up my my career before I can go to like a more expensive place because right now it's more like finances where it's a great place to start because you're in you know my my rent is a few hundred dollars a a month and then the lifestyle as well and just it's nice to be here um but yeah totally I always there's part of me half of me is here like as I get older as well just like okay well maybe I should like I I was uh yeah this summer I was visiting family and just it was hard at first like the reverse culture shock just not um yeah, all, all the great food here, the easy life here. It's hard to adjust back. But then once I got used to it, I was like, oh, this isn't so bad. What's the first thing you want to do? Is there something you want to eat in specific? You know, it's funny, Greek food. I want like a big bowl of tzatziki because <laughs> that's something you, it's so hard to get. You can't, there's no good yeah. tzatziki for countries away from where I am. There's like one place I go to around the corner here. It's called the Falafelist. So they have like falafel, like they have really good homemade falafel. So then, yeah, you're going to find shawarma. Like there's always the donor kebab, like in, in Korea, the only kind of place that was open after hours at like 4 a.m we'd all go it would be like this one kebab place like that's like the international you know after hours <laughs> food but yeah so here yeah and then just you know i get there hummus and tzatziki is just not the same yeah. um so yeah at home we have really good greek food in montreal so i'll go and just have yeah that kind of <laughs> stuff because that's really something like i found poutine everywhere it's still not as good but you can still get it and and bagels too. I went to I went to a bagel shop when I was in Montreal and then I had a bunch of poutine as well. Have has it ever saved you at any point when people are like, you know, in your face about something, you go, wait a minute, I'm Canadian. They go, Oh, well, sorry. I don't want to make anyone angry here, but yeah, I don't like those Canadians who put the flag on there. I think it's arrogant. <laughs> um I and also like if you meet, you know, like well, especially here, like if you're western looking like you sure. you're you could be from europe you could be you know you're not just american or canadian like you could be anyone who's just not asian right like so i, yeah, I could be french german you know dutch yeah um and also if you're there in the new country like talk to people people will ask you you don't need the flag like for me if you yeah like it's nice to engage with people then you tell them you don't need the flag to tell you and i think i remember a lot of my friends when obama left office like my american friends they were like it was really nice i had a lot of friends when i taught in south korea they were mostly american and they they were for them it was really disappointing (laughs) to lose um, a president who yeah everyone seemed to love america for those eight years when there was like you had a good representative so yeah i feel really bad for you guys i always defend you guys like i feel you know like it's not the whole country and stuff and i i don't know what we do but canada we have really good pr like even when we had a not so great prime minister people were still like oh great you guys are awesome i'm like well or even justin trudeau they're like oh he's fantastic i'm like well he's not so great (laughs) yeah so it's just i don't know what it is but it's i don't know who does their international pr but they're doing a good job what is your form of entertainment there i mean when you go out and say you want to have a night on the town what do you do um there is sometimes there's a few things there's um a karaoke bar around the corner so sometimes we'll go there Uh, so that's fun yeah karaoke um and just like there's lovely rooftop bars here so i'll go Somewhere there, either in the old city, you, you've been here, right? So there's like the old city where yeah. you can see like the the walls and stuff, or there's like nicer ones just outside the old city where there's like a pool and a rooftop. So there's a lot of nice uh, places there. So we'll do that. Um, and just around the corner from my office, there's like this really old jazz uh, jazz club. It's called the Northgate Co-op Jazz Club, um, and so they have free live music every night starting at eight so i i go almost every week just like sit have a glass of wine and listen it's it's like a lot of the students from Chiang Mai university so then they kind of swap like who they play with so the musicians will just like circulate and then each night is a different genre like they'll start with jazz and then go to hip-hop or pop and rock there's an open mic every tuesday uh so i'll do that just like yeah um so that's nice. And then there's also some of the expats here do like a, a weekly open mic called The Healing House. People do like spoken word or comedy or stuff. Yeah. So there's a bunch of stuff happening in the city. There's like a blues clubs. And yeah, well, I don't know the last time you were here, but stuff closes early here. So the nightlife scene isn't huge. You have to kind of yeah, go out Bangkok. early and then have a few drinks. No, Bangkok is like next level. But yeah, here everything closes at 12. So it's um, it's a tamer night. 
in Chiang Mai. <laughs> Give me your scariest flight experience. I've been lucky enough never to have like crazy turbulence or something on a plane. But uh, this year I flew from New Zealand to L.A. And what I learned in New Zealand, they're a big stickler for time. Like if you're on time, you're too late. Like they're very like early on time, like be really they're, they're really strict about that. And I was just doing my thing. I'm, I usually like to be last minute. Um, yeah. I just just did how I am. I'm, I'm, but I was past security. I was going through duty free. I was looking for a gift for my sister-in-law because um, I was going to, to visit them. And um, I thought I had, I wasn't really big with the time, but I, I thought I had at least a half an hour to an hour until boarding. <laughs> um, and then I hear an announcement just like last call. And I was yeah, I, there was an announcement, like, and I, as I was in, the, in, in line, I always... didn't hear my name, but um, it was like last call for this flight. And I was like, last call? I didn't hear first call. I didn't hear anything. I didn't think we were boarding yet. Um, and this is like a long haul flight. So if I, if I miss this flight, then I'm really screwed. It's really expensive. So yeah, I, I heard that and then I paid, ran out, and then I found out I was like a good 20 minute walk away to my gate from where I was in the airport terminal. Um, it wasn't last call. They were just like, it was still 30 minutes <laughs> away to, to take off, but they were just calling last call. So I almost, I think I had like a mild panic attack. <laughs> like I started to feel, to taste pennies in my mouth. And I was just like, I asked a security guy, like, tell them to, to, to wait, I'm on my way. And I ran almost like dropping all my stuff. And then I ran for like 10 minutes and made it to the gate. Um, Cause they were calling last call, even though it wasn't last call that was my like big that was my most probably stressful <laughs> flying experience you've written a bunch about solo female travel around the world any uh, creepiness from from guys like following you or anything like that um a few times like we yeah we all have a few story a few stories but um yeah a few times in in china or in korea like if not even late at night like during the day, a few times I'd notice someone like following me from behind for a bit in like a park, but luckily I would be in somewhere. I try and stay in like public spaces. So, um, never in like a small area. So I was able to get out of that situation, but I've been pretty lucky throughout the years, like nothing really big. But again, I've mostly been in Asia where I do think it's safer in general, like something like if I'm alone in a new city, even like in the States, I remember being in Mexico city thinking like, Hey, I'm not going to venture off like after 10 p.m. somewhere, or you know, just because it's just not safe. So I've, you, yeah, you, you have to be pretty careful, just like in, in case, right? But yeah, there's, I'm lucky there hasn't been like any, too many bad things happening. <laughs> it happens to travelers all the time, especially in China. Any, uh, any food poisoning? No. Wow. I'm pretty, t I know, right? No. Yeah, no, I guess, well, honestly, like if I was in a place where I'm vegetarian, Okay. I've cheated a bit, like pretty unkosher, like in China, because sometimes can you order tofu and then there's like pork in, in the gravy of the tofu. <laughs> right. um, so it's just, I would just like, I can't care about this. But if I was in a place where there, everything was just like chicken feed or anything that looked too weird, I would just find like, I would just eat something at like the corner store, like or candy, <laughs> like something, uh, you know, something factory made. And I feel like that's saved me. Like I won't eat, you know, if it's like a bus ride and um, there's only like something cooking over the stove, like I'll just avoid that and I'll have something like in a can or in a bag. And I feel like that's saved me. It's, I find friends who just will find something totally random. It's, that's usually when they get sick. Yeah. So I, I don't like go too crazy with the street food. That's probably been my, and now I'm just kind of immune to it. Like I got used to it. Yeah. And I always, my travel tip for people like, well, I carry these like probiotic drops. So I try and have that every day, make sure like your body has some sort of bacteria in it. So then it can react to anything odd or new. So like, um, before you go on a trip, like make sure you have like yogurt a few times a day, like the first, the few days leading up to a trip. And then like your body's kind of, your stomach's coated with, with some good bacteria that you can fight stuff up more easily. Every visits to the uh, any kind of hospital overseas or any kind of injuries Have you ever had to deal with that yes um just small things like i don't ride a motorbike so luckily i've had no like motorbike accident that's a big thing in thailand like everyone sure. has a motorbike yeah. um accident uh, i don't drive one i take like uh there's like a version of uber here called grab and then you then they have like motorbikes driving around to pick you up so i i do that so i get like my taxi ride my lifts on motorbike um but yeah, here I actually like 
use the healthcare services here. I find they're really good. Um, and like I pay a bit out of pocket, but it's not, it's not too bad. The other week I had, like, I accidentally, like I, I stabbed myself in the eye, like a dork and like I, um, ripped the top part of my cornea. Ah. So it was just like a, a minor, like, yeah, it's minor, like eye injury. And then I went directly to the hospital here. And then within an hour I'm in and out. And that was like a week of like just drops and stuff. Um, and yeah, it didn't cost me much. So I, and uh, I go here for in Thailand for healthcare. Cause like I, the hospital here is pretty good. I know in Canada we have like free healthcare, but it doesn't include everything. Um, and dental is fairly expensive and eye care as well. Um, but when I lived in Korea, I found the, I found the hospitals way, even here too, like much cleaner, faster service, um, much faster. And the doctors usually like there'll be someone, uh, there's a counter for like foreigners or international people and they have a translator for you. So I find like the healthcare from where I've been, it's like, it's not like a small city, like in big cities in Asia, it's pretty good where all, um, I've had pretty good experiences luckily. How hard is it to get work visas in these places? When I lived in Korea, it was pretty, it's a long process. It took like two months, I think, but then once you get it, then you're fine. And then you have your job set up. So like if you, and if you have, yeah, a job set up, they, they do it, they help you through the process or sometimes you pay like a third party kind of like an HR, um, agency and then they, they help you as well. So I've had to, so, um, I've had to pay a few, like a, a commission to get help with like a work visa, but it's totally worth it. Right now in Thailand, they don't offer like digital nomad visas. I think that's becoming, so yeah, right now the people who are here were on tourist visas um, and then we just go in and out. So it's, it, it's tricky. I have a few friends doing like an ed visa, which is a bit of a process. And then you get like a six month thing. If you go to a Thai school, if you want to come here to study Thai language or Muay Thai, um, and then you get like a six month education visa. So then people like, kind of work on the side and then go to their classes. So that's like a good thing. If people want to go to Thailand and stay long term, I recommend an ed visa. And I have, and you kind of same with networking, like make some friends here who like, I have a Thai friend who's a paralegal. So I'd call her if there's any issue and stuff. And then, yeah, so it's great if you may have friends with local, make friends with locals, they always, you know, they could recommend people to help you and stuff. Well, what's next for you? What's the plan coming up? Not sure. Well, when you said Mexico, that, yeah. So I'm not sure if I should just stay here longer or go to, I haven't been to Laos yet. I really like Cambodia when I was there earlier last year. So I might go back to Cambodia for a few months, maybe Vietnam. I'll see uh, till I get completely tired of Southeast Asia. It's a pretty good spot in the world. So yeah. I might just stay here um, and continue that. And then yeah, maybe somewhere like Mexico sounds appealing because it's closer to home, right? You're on like the other side of the world. Um, it's not like too far and it still has a lot of great places and options to live and work. And here the Wi-Fi is just really good. So if you're working online, it's it's awesome. I struggled a bit last time I was in Mexico, especially if you're in a small city or like by a beach or something. It's not always as good. But yeah, so I think for now, Southeast Asia is still a good base <laughs> for me. Do you get um, those lost in translation moments? Do you get uh, some loneliness? Oh, Yeah. I love that movie. When I saw that movie, I was like, oh, this is my life. <laughs> um, yeah, it's so great. Especially I found, like, I rewatched that movie. I watched it when it first came out. I think I rewatched it my, like, second month when I got to Korea. And I experienced a lot of, yeah, loneliness. Like, I was in a huge apartment just by myself there. I was like, you, you're put to work long hours and... I had like just my, you're, you have a very small life. You have like your small co like group of coworkers, uh, a job and your apartment, like a very limited space. And then, um, it's hard to connect with the people there. The language is really different. Uh, so you feel it's easy to get really jaded if you don't have a community. So I felt like kind of that very Bill Murray existential feeling yeah. <laughs> my first few months there was really hard. So yeah, I watched that. I'm like, Oh, this is everything. Um, yeah, I feel especially with, yeah, cultures maybe like Japan or Korea because they're so strict with their own like ways and stuff. So um, it's really hard for someone who's not part of that to like break in. It's almost impossible. Like even if I know people who are like married to, when I lived there, people were married to Koreans that lived there years. You're still kind of always seen as an outsider or an alien. Yeah. Um, like literally that's the term, like you're an alien. Um, like we got our, our working visas were like alien cards. That was our resident card. <laughs> they called it an alien card. We're like, Oh, we're legal aliens. Um, so yeah. So you always feel like, yeah, you're not part of that. So that's, you know, again, so lucky to be somewhere and to work abroad, but also it's can be really jarring and you feel jaded. 
easily. It's easy to get stuck in that. For people starting blogs, you want to have a personal kind of take. I mean, there's so many out there. The only thing that's going to make you stand out is you. So, I mean, what is your take? I mean, when you started it, what is the angle you wanted to take in your writing? Was there something you wanted to focus on or, or a point of view that you wanted to have? Yes, I just wanted to be like honest about my experience. And again, it was a bit of like an outlet for me, like emotionally, like, okay, I can rant about this to people who can maybe understand when I'm in a place where, where no one around me is like, I'm the only foreigner kind of thing. Um, so I just tried to be, I tried to find the funny in everything. Um, so put like the humorous spin on stuff if I could and just be honest and try and sugarcoat anything. Cause I feel like people appreciate that as well. Like they want to know, they want to, people say like, Oh, I feel like I'm there with you. Like I like bringing people into the experience with me, even if it's, I'm speaking to people who maybe are offering people who read my blog, people who don't travel or people who are stay at home moms or something. So they're like, Oh, I'm really inspired by your traveling or I get to show people a glimpse into the world. If you know, they maybe want to go one day or just kind of have an escape and, you know, like read about my experience in Thailand and they, they can't go there. They get to read about it, you know, and, um, kind of learn. And also my big thing is like educating people, like telling people the real thing instead of yeah, sugarcoating it or trying to sell something or sound too markety. Just want to tell people how stuff is, especially with projects I've done, like volunteering. I want to tell people like, okay, this is something good or this maybe isn't the best thing to do. So yeah, like places where I've seen, okay, this is like a good project or here there's a lot of kind of corruption in tourism. So I try and always speak about like a good place to go or, so, you know, like more mindful travel, if that would make sense. Um, yeah, try and like travel well and with a focus. So I try and bring that out in my blog and my writing. Did your family, were they always on board with this or did they think you were nuts at first? I am. They were just like, wow, like what's wrong with it? And no, obviously like so, yeah, so supportive, want me to be happy. They always like, well, as long as you're happy. Um, but yeah, I think uh, when I kept on going there, I remember like in Korea, so this would have been my, I would have been like traveling for, or abroad for like a year. My dad was like, so like, what do you like about it? I'm like, oh, I like my job. He's just like, but there must be more than just the job. Like you're in Korea. Like <laughs> why there? <laughs> Um, so yeah, it's kind of odd for my family and people to think like, why would you move across the world to get work or why would you do this? To me, it just seems normal. Um, but yeah, it, but luckily like supportive, not too much like guilt trip and stuff. But You were in, uh, where I live now and you were in Venice, California. Yes. You had mixed, mixed feelings <laughs> as most people do when they come here. What are your thoughts on, uh, Venice? Whenever I, yeah, so I've visited California a bunch of times the past few years because yeah my, my brother lives there with my sister-in-law and their son um they live in Oxnard like in oh, Ventura yeah. County so it's yeah. like yeah so um I I go there to see them so um if I'm Venice is right near the airport so it's somewhere where I'll stay for a few days either when I'm on my way out or on my way in uh, and I'm always in some sort of personal crossroads whenever I'm there as well so I let like Venice kind of I, I I let Venice absorb all my emotions and you know, with all the vibes there too, there's, you know, palm readers and all that spiritual stuff going on. So I feel like it's very in line whenever I'm there, like kind of doing my existential crisis, like what am I doing? Why am I wandering the world type of thing? So yeah, I, I react to that a lot. Um, but no, I've grown to like when I, when I first visited LA, like years ago, California was my first like trip, my first flight. Like I flew to San Diego to visit a friend right. when I was like 20. And then, yeah, first time I ever saw palm trees was San Diego. We went to LA for a weekend and I was just shocked by how much, yeah, how kind of spread out it was and everyone drove and it just, and then you go to Hollywood Boulevard and it's like it's so crap. dumpy and you just have, yeah. And you're just like, all my dreams are shattered. Like I, I thought this glamour was a thing, but yeah. And, but after like a few trips there, I'm like, okay, I get it. Like I've grown to love it. And Venice is probably my favorite area of California, like, or of, of LA at least. I love it there. Any plans on coming back anytime soon? or I'll probably visit within the the year because, yeah, just for, for visiting my, my nephew and stuff so I'll, and my brother and sister-in-law. So um, I'll, I go at least like tw once or twice a year. So What is the ultimate goal? I mean, what do you want to happen with all the – with your writing? And um, is, it a, is it a book? Is it uh, to make uh, films? What do you <laughs> – travel show a book definitely I wrote um I 
put all my blog posts and added some new things together. I have it as an ebook. It's available right now on Amazon. Um, and I'm working right now on a second edition to that because I just want to dive deeper into my experience there. So, um, and I need to rework the title as well. Um, so I have that and I think I really want that to be out there for people to show like kind of the, not just the real side of, of travel, which is how it just be, can be like normal life, but also the world. Like, um, we're kind of becoming like this, this global village where everyone we're all becoming closer together and more connected because of social media and stuff, but then also less aware of issues like on the other side of the world and things. And because I've been places, I feel like I can, my experience can help teach people about situations, uh, like whether it be political or human emotion, like what's going on. So I just want to share my story and help people like learn about how life is in places like China or, you know, Korea, Thailand. Um, and yeah, just spread, spread a message of how like, we're all really the same at the end of the day. Um, and I think that's something we need to hear now as like with all the stuff happening in the world. Um, so definitely more writing. I think words are more my thing. So books, second book, more books, grow my blog to become more of like a positive travel influencer, influencing women. Like you can do it. It's not as hard as it seems for working online, like to help people like be aware of like what that really means. It's not always glamorous type of thing. Just be more like realistic take on things and yeah, educate people on like how to do it well. Um, so that would, that's like my short term goal for now with my, my work. That's great. Well, uh, thank you for contacting me. This is, I'm glad we could. Yes. No, thank you. Now you can get in all your plugs. Yes. Check me out on jennyisfree.com. That's also my Instagram. So you could follow me on Instagram. Those would be the two best places where I talk about travel and just my, my stories right now on Instagram are like my day to day life. My friends are saying like, Oh, I just like seeing an insight into like how your, your days are in Thailand. Um, and wherever you go. So yeah, Instagram would be good. Follow me on there. And then I always put like my latest, um, in my bio, I always put like my latest travel article there. So you can see like the stuff I'm doing for Skyscanner and other things when I'm published. And yeah, my link there for my, my ebook will be there. Um, so you can, but yeah, Jenny is free Instagram, jennysfree.com. Follow me and hopefully you can enjoy my journey. That'd be great. And yeah, we're getting uh, links to all your all your sites too. I can put it up there with alongside this uh, interview as well. How do you think all this travel and all your experiences has changed you as a person and how you look at the world? It was odd at first, like I guess traveling to somewhere like China, like the other side of the world, and you think, okay, it's so far, and then you're somewhere, and you're like, how do I feel? Maybe this is not the experience for everyone, but how do I feel completely at home, or how is this completely just? life is life for wherever you go type of thing. I'm like, how do I feel at home, even though it's thousands of miles away? Um, so yeah, I've changed by my, I guess my perspectives broadened on life on what, what we see as normal. You can't take for granted what, what you think is normal is always the, the same for everyone. Um, because people have different views on what, what people see as maybe polite. We're talking about like manners in China or, um, what people see as, you know, like the right, um, the right thing to do, but how to, how to go about a situation. I've learned like from being here, how people take things differently or gestures. People like a big thing here I've learned is people don't ask like, how are you? People think like how we do that in North America, like it's really superficial. Like, Oh, how are you? I'm fine. And we just move on. <laughs> and here the word for like, how are you is like, do you want to go eat rice? That's the translation. <laughs> Meaning like they have more of a personal thing. Like they're not going to say, how are you? I'm fine. And move on. They like want to sit down with you and talk. And like eating alone isn't really a thing. So uh, I've learned a lot about like community or just living uh, more simply and appreciating other people's company, which I find is different than we have in the West from time to time where we're more individualistic. Uh, so I've learned that, especially from being in places like Asia where I have more of a collective mindset. And I've grown a lot from learning that. Well, Jenny, thanks for doing this. Jenny is free. Thank you so much for calling. Yes, no, thank you. It was great talking to you. 